Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Recorded live. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network.
Magic Morning. It's the early morning gospel program. Morning inspirations here on Talk to You and Jam Radio. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, that all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. The plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. In heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. Horses a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice. For we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Oh, mm-hmm. 
This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
No, we cannot go back and wipe away our past. What we can do is be reborn of water and the spirit. It is a different kind of birth, one that allows our spirits to overcome whatever blows the physical world has dealt us and live freely, fully remade, with knowledge and experience of the living God. That's the Reverend Dr. Cynthia Weems. I'm Peter Wallace, and this is a new day of faith and hope. This is Day One. Welcome to Day One, the weekly program that brings you outstanding preachers from America's mainline Protestant churches, sharing insight and inspiration from God's Word for your life. Here's our host, Peter Wallace, to introduce this week's preacher. Thank you, Sherry. We're delighted to have with us today the Reverend Dr. Cynthia Weems, pastor of First United Methodist Church of Miami, Florida. Cynthia has served in multi-ethnic ministry settings in South America and the United States, including churches in Kansas and Florida. She is proficient in Spanish and Portuguese and currently serves in a congregation with an extensive outreach to the diverse homeless community in Miami. Cynthia graduated from Millsaps College and earned a Master of Divinity degree from Yale Divinity School and a Doctor of Ministry with Honors from St. Paul's School of Theology. Cynthia, welcome to Day One. Thank you. First United Methodist of Miami is a dynamic church, and I, I really like your mission statement, to invite people to experience life downtown, L-I-F-E, standing for living, inclusive, faithful, and emerging. Unpack that for us. How does the church go about doing that? Thank you for asking. We love the setting we are in, in downtown Miami. Uh, Some churches have chosen to leave downtown settings. It can be a tough place to be, but our church has had a long commitment to to its place at at 4th and Biscayne Boulevard, and all that comes with that. Now uh, what comes with that is large Mm -hmm. high-rises next to us, uh, many filled with people who come to Miami from other places, mm-hmm. and often look, look for a church home, mm-hmm. sometimes because it's the only thing that feels like home, mm-hmm. uh, folks that come from other parts of the United States. But for others who come from other countries, uh, it can feel like a place uh, where they can kind of center themselves in a, in a, in a strong uh, way, a helpful way uh, for all the challenges that come uh, for people living in the city. Uh, so our mission statement, we hope, uh, allows people to see in us Uh, a source of hope, a source of life, and frankly, a different kind of life uh, in downtown Miami. As you can imagine, there's lots of life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's lots of things uh, to do in downtown Miami. But we want people to see that a church home is another way to experience life and perhaps a more more healthy and whole way to experience life big city. Ministry to the marginalized is important to you and to the congregation. Why is that so vital to who you are? In our church, I think there's a real sense that unless we can feel with our hands tangible ways that God is calling us to be, to live our discipleship, mm-hmm. uh, then we're not really doing the full work uh, that God intended. I'm certainly learning from new generations of Christians uh, who come to our church. Many have not been in church for a long time. Some have, have never been regular attenders of church. But they really don't have any interest in, in only a worship mm-hmm. experience. Uh, if, 
if if they're not making breakfast sandwiches for the homeless, mm-hmm. if they are not um, uh, sharing in in youth programming, if they are not uh, serving that marginalized population downtown, that it feels to them that that's not really the most faithful way to live out uh, their Christian beliefs in a big city like Miami. That's a great learning uh, for many of us in the church. You're also involved in Faith in the City, a coalition of downtown congregations. Why is it important to reach out together ecumenically? Faith in the City has a long tradition in Miami, and it's wonderful because it's a group of non-denominational churches, mm-hmm. uh, Catholic Church, the Episcopal Cathedral, the second oldest Jewish synagogue in my church, and uh, several others. And it's a great opportunity for us to come together in such a challenging setting and say, you know, what, what can we do together? What are we being called to do mm-hmm. together? And how can we increase the spiritual depth mm-hmm. of people in our city and those are great questions mm-hmm. to ask. All of us are doing the challenging work of ministry in downtown Miami. It's challenging. At the same time, we're all excited about it. Mm-hmm. All of these congregations uh, feel a sense of urgency, really, uh, about the work that's before us. So doing it together is more fun yeah. and certainly, I believe, more fruitful. Early in your ministry, you served as a volunteer missionary in Bolivia, and since then you've also been a volunteer and mission team leader to Bolivia, Costa Rica, and Brazil. How did those experiences help to form your ministry today? Taking volunteers to another country is an amazing way to see the interaction between the church uh, in our own country and the church as it exists in other countries. Frankly, we have much to learn in other countries. Resources uh, are not available. And where truly the sacrificial love of uh, members of those churches, of pastors of those churches, is, is the only way uh, that ministry happens. Remember the church I served in Bolivia didn't have a parking lot, didn't have mail service, and didn't have a telephone. I thought, I can't imagine a church in the States that could exist mm. without those three things. Mm-hmm. That church was able to thrive uh, simply with, uh, with hearts and hands uh, ready to open Bibles and study those Bibles together, ready to sing and worship together, really ready to tackle some difficult social problems. The volunteers experiencing those settings often, I feel, come back to church, come back home with a renewed sense of of the importance of, of making an impact with some, with often with very few resources and and really bringing together the resources we might have available to us here in the United States in order to make ministry happen in our own neighborhoods and then Cynthia, how did you experience your call to ministry? I grew up in Mississippi as a United Methodist preacher's kid. I think I was eight or nine years old when I first began to articulate a sense that what ask what do you want to be when you grow up hmm. well I'll be a I'll be a preacher and some might think that that uh, was a long shot in <laughs> small communities in Mississippi in the 1970s but I never felt anything but support uh, for that call and as I got older I met more women in ministry my parents were very instrumental in helping me see role models hmm. 
and it never occurred to me that that perhaps was not uh, a, a viable way forward for me. And throughout my, my high school years, I had a, a strong uh, youth group experience in churches where I was able to lead and, uh, and see uh, good role models for, for healthy ministry. And I'm so grateful for that now. Looking and what's ahead for you? Well, this summer I will transition from First United Methodist Church of Miami, where I've served, into the role of district superintendent for the Southeast District of the United Methodist Church in the Florida Annual Conference. It's an exciting time, an exciting transition. Uh, there are 75 churches in Broward and Dade and Monroe counties in Southeast Florida. We have Hispanic churches, Haitian churches, a large Korean church, and, and, and so many others that represent the diversity of that part of our country. So I'm excited about what's ahead and being a part of guiding and leading and collaborating with the pastors and the churches of the South. Well, this Sunday, your sermon is based on the gospel text from John chapter 3, the first 17 verses. Would you read the passage for us? Yes. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it comes from. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, in order that the world might be saved through him. Cynthia, your sermon is entitled, A Complete Makeover. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. And don't forget, if you'd like to listen again to today's program or read or share a transcript of Cynthia Weems' sermon, visit our website at dayone.org. Or for a free printed sermon transcript, call us toll-free at 1-888-411-DAY1.
years ago, my husband was in a car accident. Fortunately, no one was hurt. In fact, he was hit while sitting idle at a stoplight. But, as anyone who has been involved in an automobile accident can tell you, the experience leads to endless documentation and telephone calls with insurance agents and claims adjusters and body shops. And so it was with us. On one such conversation with the at-fault driver's insurance company about the damage to be repaired, the adjuster said, this car has surely been in other accidents. At least two of the dents in the passenger door could not have been caused by this accident. We're surprised. The car, although relatively worn and old, had not been in other accidents, and we did not remember any prior damage. After much discussion about this matter, it became clear that the insurance company would not pay for what they called prior damage, and therefore would only approve a partial repair of the damage from the accident. I was the one who handled that particular conversation, and when I hung up and shared the result with my husband, I found myself frustrated, but at the same time smiling, almost giggling, at the absurdity of the situation. Our car would return from the body shop partially repaired because a portion of the damage had not been deemed worthy of a remake. Reflecting theologically while humored by the situation, I felt a profound sense of gratitude toward our God, who does not function like insurance companies. However, it did get me thinking about God's relationship to body shops. When Nicodemus came to Jesus, he knew enough to know that Jesus was offering a new kind of body repair. The temple, priests, and traditions had for good Jews been the place to seek repair work. Now Jesus' language implied there was a new fix, a new kind of repair needed for the faithful. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night to check it out. The Pharisees, we remember, came into being in the 3rd century BCE as a reaction against Hellenism, the increasing Greek influence over thought, practice, philosophy, and religion. The more zealous Jews separated themselves as the pure and pious ones. They became a distinct class, rigid defenders of Jewish tradition. They had grown to positions of power during Jesus' day and often abused that power. They had something to lose in these new concepts and teachings of Jesus. They also could not resist trying to understand this prophet in greater ways. We meet Nicodemus with this kind of curiosity. Nicodemus comes to Jesus secretly at night and begins a private conversation. But it is important to note that in Greek, the you becomes plural when Jesus begins speaking. All of a sudden, Jesus is talking to more than just Nicodemus, although it's the middle of the night. Jesus knows that he is talking to a larger crowd. It's fighting a larger battle than just an evening conversation. Nicodemus represented a rigid kind of thinking about laws and traditions and rituals, but also about the basic work of God. Jesus wonders how Nicodemus could be such a trusted teacher and not know the inner workings of God's spirit, not know the power of God's spirit. Nicodemus and the Pharisees had such clarity about the things of God 
that any entry of new ideas or expressions was too much to grasp. They seemed unable to bear the weight of the perceived consequences that might come from acceptance of such thinking about the holy. So let's return to my Toyota Corolla. After several days in the body shop, you will be interested to know that the car was returned to us completely repaired. No sign of the dents the insurance company insisted were there. I laughed some more. My conclusion was that the guy at the body shop thought a lot more like God and less like the insurance adjuster. Can't fix almost all of the damage. It must be completely remade. Or, as Jesus would say, born from above. What Nicodemus had such a hard time understanding was the concept that God did not want a detailed inventory of every dent, scrape, and scratch on the hearts and lives of the faithful. What God wants is to remake each and every one of us. God doesn't demand a story behind each fender bender. God doesn't pick and choose which sins are forgiven and which ones remain. God gives us new birth with water and the Spirit and remakes us into new creations. Through this new birth, our relationship with God, through Christ, takes on a deeper and more complete meaning as the experiences of our lives are seen through the lens of God's gracious and forgiving work of love. When our daughter was born, she came home from the hospital within 48 hours of her birth, like most newborns. I introduced her to the bassinet and rocking chair and gave her a bath. Within a couple of days, we were at her first doctor's visit, the precautionary one, just to make sure she was doing well. The doctor discovered her bilirubin levels were extremely high. She had jaundice. An immediate return to the hospital was required without even a stop at home to pick up some essentials. For the next several days, she and I would remain at the hospital to endure the unforgiving process of sleeping under bright lights and constant bilirubin level checks in order to determine when she was healthy enough to return home. We finally did so after four days. When I look back at photos from her first couple of days at home, it is so obvious that she was sick. Her face was glowing yellow. I feel a deep sense of guilt each time I see those photos. How could I not have known she was sick? Why didn't I see the signs and call the doctor? I wish I could take that part of her birth story back and change that first week of her life and my first week of parenthood. Of course, I cannot go back and rebirth our daughter's less than ideal first two weeks of life. And hers hardly compares to so many difficult stories of weeks and months in the NICU that so many new parents experience. Neither can we go back and redo so many of our difficult trials and adversities in life. Loss, addiction, disappointment, heartbreak. We are filled with guilt, regret, and longing. And we often want to hold tight to those feelings, even when God is ready to take them away, giving us a fresh start and a new paint job. Christ's sacrifice would ultimately remake the way in which our lives are given meaning and purpose. Christ's sacrifice will make us new, a forgiven and whole people, 
No, we cannot go back and wipe away our past. What we can do is be reborn of water and the Spirit. Jesus doesn't promise to redo our first birth. No, we don't climb back into our mother's wombs to be reborn. It is a different kind of birth, one that allows our spirits to overcome whatever blows the physical world has dealt us and live freely, fully remade, with knowledge and experience of the living God. Significantly, the late-night conversation with Nicodemus the Pharisee begins to wrap up with these famous words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Why is it significant that the encounter with Nicodemus came just before this most beloved scripture? Until Nicodemus believed that one truth, it would be difficult, dare I say impossible, for him to hear or believe anything else. Same God that offered the people of Israel the beautiful laws of the prophets that the Pharisees so dutifully upheld also offered this greatest of gifts. Eugene Peterson, in the Message Translation of Scripture, translates verse 17 with these contemporary words. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was came to help put the world right again. Please pray with me. O God of the day and of the night, come to us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us new life by water and the Spirit. Remake, reshape, and renew us through your sacrificial love in Christ Jesus. Why should you support the Day One Radio Ministry? Because it's helping countless people like you. For instance, Brenda, a listener in Pennsylvania, says, Every Sunday, Day One gives me a message I can carry throughout my week. Mike in Minnesota says, There's not another program like Day One. It allows you to hear the Word of God from so many gifted voices. Please, Give generously so Day One can continue to proclaim this much-needed message on the radio and online. Mail your gift to Day One, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. That's 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. Or call us at 1-888-411-DAY1. Or give securely online at dayone.org. On behalf of everyone at Day One, thank you for your support. Now, Cynthia Weems offers some final thoughts on her message today. Cynthia, I love your story about your car repairs and the insurance company that wouldn't cover all the damage from an accident. You said when Nicodemus came to Jesus, he knew enough that Jesus was offering a new kind of body repair, and he came to Jesus by... How would you say Jesus' approach was different? 
from what Nicodemus was used to. Jesus was concerned with the whole being. And I think that Judaism, Mm -hmm. in its purest form, is too. But I think that Nicodemus, in that line of... uh, in that line of the Pharisees that I mentioned in the Mm -hmm. sermon, had really began to focus more on those things that often keep us from considering the spirit, that keep us from considering anything outside of the the very rigid rules and structure of religious life. So Jesus was offering a way of looking at life that really included uh, all of those good teachings from the prophets, Mm You said God does not need a detailed inventory of every dent, scrape, and scratch on the hearts and lives of the faithful. What God wants is to remake each and every one of us. So how does this happen? Part of the makeover, I'm aware, is that uh, we do have to get ourselves to the body shop. You know, (laughs) at at one point in time, my husband and I had to drive that Corolla Mm -hmm. to the shop. We had to kind of hand it over. And we have to do that also. In our lives, and one way to do that is a, a heart of, of repentance, um, an ability to say, "This is what's happened." Sometimes an ability to say, "Lord, I've tried everything else, and I know that I can't fix this myself." So I think that uh, that handing over, that willingness that we have uh, to offer our hearts and lives to God, uh, knowing that. Um, We've kind of run our own course at what we're able to control and do for ourselves, that we're ready uh, and hopeful about how God will remake our lives. You shared about your daughter's troubling first couple of weeks of life, and you acknowledge that you can't go back and redo that. None of us can go back and redo so many of our trials and adversities, and so we may be filled with guilt, regret, and longing. What would you say to someone listening right now who identifies with those feelings? I would say that unlike our usual desire, which is to redo or, or erase, and boy, I've sat with those baby pictures of my daughter mm-hmm. uh, way, too many times, far too many times, looking at them thinking, how could that have been different? Uh, God doesn't want me looking at those pictures that way. Mm-hmm. In that difficult time, uh, God was present. Mm-hmm. And I can look back now and see that I learned a lot about parenting because really in the first week of life I learned that a lot was beyond my control. Pretty good thing to learn early mm-hmm. on in parenting. And I think in our lives we learn that we make mistakes. Some are out of our control. Some are within our control. But all things are, are, are within the presence of God. So God, rather than us taking all that time looking back with that regret and that, that God wants us to look forward. So allowing God to to make us over, allowing God, uh, through God's Spirit, uh, through the hope of Christ, to come and live within us and and move us to the future, I think is really where what God would say, what I would say to each person today. Allow God to walk you forward. Cynthia, what's one thing from your sermon today that you hope our listeners will keep in mind this week? I hope that our listeners would feel a true sense of hope a hope that I feel Nicodemus came away from Mm. that night after his conversation. Not a sense of worry or fear, but a sense that the words of Jesus were good news. Mm. 
So I would hope that our listeners this week would have a renewed sense of that good news for their lives as well. Cynthia Weems, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Day One is the voice of America's mainline Protestant churches. Visit us online at dayone.org. Our program is recorded and edited by Donald Jones and produced by Peter Wallace. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sherry Miller wishing you all God's blessings on day one and forever.
Just fell on me. I thought I was gonna lose my mind. 
This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Yeah. 
is known for its luxury hotel, upscale restaurants, gardens, art museums, and a stunning lakeside golf course. How interesting, then, that this village was built for immigrant workers at the Kohler Company, known for its innovative bath fixtures. Walter J. Kohler believed his workers deserved not only wages, but roses as well. He built them homes, school, a meeting hall, and with the designers of New York Central Park, he added beautiful gardens. One of the nation's first planned communities remains one of its finest. This is Howard Butt, Jr. of Laity Lodge. Walter Kohler didn't stop at safe working conditions and adequate wages. He knew that souls also need beauty. All three contribute to the high calling of our daily work. For more information, visit ourdailywork.org. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Communities improve. The path to success starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader, tutor or mentor. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org now. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. What are the limitations while employing minors? Stay right there. Today's legal alert might just keep you out of trouble with the law. Here's attorney David Gibbs Jr. of the Christian Law Association. A Christian school comprised of a K through 12 academy in a four-year college, allows the college students to work on campus to help cover the cost of tuition. The students never receive cash, but they are given an earnings statement at the end of the school year. The school's financial administrator contacted the Christian Law Association for advice concerning how to handle the financial records of 14- and 15-year-old students who work for the school. One of our attorneys explained that the minors should be treated exactly the same as the college students. Our attorney then advised the administrator to remember that minors are limited by federal employment law to less than 18 hours of work per week when school is in session. That's attorney David Gibbs, Jr. of the Christian Law Association. And you can continue today's dialogue by exploring the resources waiting for you at our website, christianlaw.org. You can sign up for our free monthly newsletter or connect with an attorney at christianlaw.org. christianlaw.org. The UN Secretary General said the annual day is a sad occasion on the UN calendar, but one which will always be honored with the greatest possible dignity. And Gihun called for the observance of a solemn moment of silence to honor the 126 heroes from 38 countries who died last year while serving under the United Nations.
employment are higher and so are the death tolls. The first 45 years of the United Nations, there were four years when more than 100 peacekeepers lose their lives. In just the last 14 years, we have suffered that terrible loss already 10 times. Last year was the seventh year in a row that more than 100 peacekeepers lost their lives. The conditions were especially hazardous in Mali, where the UN mission lost over 40 of its personnel. He also mentioned the Darfur region of Sudan, where 2,000 peacekeepers were lost and pointed out that in Liberia, for the first time, the UN lost peacekeeping personnel to Ebola. Derek Imbata, United Nations. Hey, churchgoers. Looking for a little morning inspiration? Well, listen to Morning Inspiration, the Jam Radio Network, with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
give you a new breed and love God, love people. Good morning to all of you. This is to us live and by way podcast. Morning inspiration to see you talk to you and Jam Radio. Good morning, prophetess. Um, How are you? Thank you for listening. Tune in. And thank all of you for tuning in to your early morning gospel program, Morning Inspirations.
Get your talk to tonight at 8 p.m. Right here on Talk Show and Jam Radio.
it's easy to take your world for granted. Most days go by without a whole lot of surprises. But what if a disaster strikes without warning? What if life as you know it has completely turned on its head? What if everything familiar becomes anything but? Would you be prepared? Before a disaster turns your family's world upside down, it's up to you to be ready. Get a kit. Make a plan. Be informed today. Learn how at www.ready.gov. Ready.gov. This message brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency and the Ad Council. Looking for a lift? Experience a seed from the soar with Michael Guido of Metter, Georgia. A man had fallen, and the preacher asked, Sam, why didn't you say, get behind me, Satan? I did, he replied. But Satan said to me, since we're both going in the same direction, it makes no difference who leads. There are only two ways, our Lord said. Heaven can be entered only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide enough for all the multitudes who choose its easy way. But the gateway to life is small, and the road is narrow. Only a few ever find it. Our Lord said, I have set before you the way of life and the way of death. It's your move. For your free copy of Dr. Guido's daily devotional, Seeds from the Soar, write The Soar, Metter, Georgia, 30439. Visit us on the web at thesower.com. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata. When I broke my neck many years ago, there were friends from high school who had heard about my accident and well, they just wanted to visit and hang out with me in the hospital. Theirs was a noble gesture, but I would just sit there ignoring them. And eventually, a lot of these friends stopped coming around, and who could blame them? Sometimes we act that way with God. We almost want to push to see just how far his love will really go. But God is not like a friend who, when ignored, gives up on us. True, the Lord may discipline us for our careless and rebellious behavior, but in Isaiah chapter 49, he says, quote, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Oh, friends, God will never give up on you. So please, do not give up on him. Hi, everybody. Everything we've done over the past six years has been in pursuit of one overarching goal. For all. What we've long understood, though, is that some communities have consistently had the odds stacked against them. Of rural communities with chronic poverty, of some manufacturing communities that suffered after the plant closed their doors, of some suburbs and inner cities where jobs can be hard to find. lack of opportunity to groups feeling unfairly targeted by police. It means there's no single solution. There are many things that could make a difference and could help. Everything in our power to make this country's promise. Why last Tuesday at a 
summit organized by Catholics and in discussion on what it takes to open more doors of opportunity. All our efforts matter. 1967, we brought poverty down by about 40% thanks to programs like Social Security and the Earned Income Tax Credit for working families. Know that there are folks from all faiths and across the ideological spectrum who care deeply about the least of these. I hope this conversation continues, not as a question of whether, but of how we can work together to grow opportunity. Not words. Tax cuts for working parents, to raising high school graduation rates, to helping millions of Americans secure health insurance. They didn't have it just a few years ago. Of course, lack of opportunity is not the only barrier between too many of our young people and the kind of future they deserve. One day I'll travel to Camden, New Jersey, a city that has faced one of the highest violent crime rates in America. I'll highlight some of the innovative things they've done to help police do their jobs more safely and reduce crime in the process. Highlight steps all cities can take to maintain trust between the brave law enforcement officers who put their lives on the line communities they have sworn to serve and protect. Whether we are Democrats, Republicans, or Independents, we live in one of our poorest communities, one of our wealthiest, or anywhere in between. We all want our country to be one where hard work pays off and responsibility is rewarded. We want a place where you can make it if you try. The promise we make to our young people, that's the promise that makes us exceptional, and it's the promise I'll never stop fighting to keep and for yours. Pray with you. Would you join with me, please, in prayer? Pray with me, Lord Jesus. I am a sinner. Jesus, thank you that you loved me enough that you became a man and died on a cross, paid the price for all the wrong things that I have done. I'm sorry for my sin. It's my sin that puts you on that cross. And I'm sorry. I don't want to live in rebellion to you anymore. I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead, from the death of sin. You are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart, and according to your word, 
at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Oh, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other message. Oh, come to him, come to the Saviour tonight. Come to him just as you are. Come to him in your sin. Come to him in all your needs. And cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. And cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. And cast yourself truly to him. You still will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ, our Lord.
that's going to do it for yours truly. Until tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time for Nation Talk, right here on Talk Show Jam Radio. Now, excuse me, I have to go and get ready for church, and I hope you will be getting ready to go to church as well. Publish Barry, thanks once again. Until, until tonight, we'll see you. God bless you.